everyone, and welcome to The Loving and Lonely, episode 69 of the Home Games Podcast. I'm Yazid, and this is Joseph. Hello, today is Monday, February 15th, 2021, the day after Valentine's Day. And uh, was your Valentine's Day loving and lonely, Yazid? Is that yeah, I'd say. inspired the title? Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty normal Valentine's Day for me. What does that entail? What is normal Valentine's Day for you? I visit my mom and my grandma and I bring them chocolate and then we just hang out and talk, which, but that's my regular Sunday minus the bringing them chocolate thing. That sounds and then, yeah. And then I, you know, I just visit with them for a while, play with my dog. That part's new is the dog is new. So, you know, deal with my dog stuff, making sure she doesn't eat any chocolate because that's important. And then yeah. I also eat the chocolate I got for myself because I love chocolate and I don't really eat it in my house anymore. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, the way that you raised your eyebrow after I asked you what's your regular Valentine's Day, I immediately regretted that that question, but I'm glad we kind of steered out of that. Did not go in the direction I thought it was. I, I mean, listen, you're, you're asking a dude who's been, who's been solo now for a long time how he spends his Valentine's. I'm pretty good at spending days not with somebody else, <laughs> like spending it single. <laughs> at this point, it's like my default, so I... I I have like regularly scheduled things like Valentine's Day is like candy for my my family and for me. You hear that all you listeners out there? Yazid here is on the market. Switch it up for next year. You won't be so lonely. We'll see. <laughs> you be the this is This doesn't have to go in the podcast, but last year my goal was to go on three dates and I hit that. And the year before that was to go on two dates and I hit that. And the year before that was to go on one date and I didn't hit that. So this year my goal is to hit four dates. Yeah, four dates, and I'm hoping COVID deals with itself so that I can actually hit that goal. We're st- I'm steadily improving, is what I'm trying to say. Nice. Well, uh, one thing is I'm not going to cut that out because we already did the intro, and it's too close to the <laughs> intro to uh, to remove, so it's staying in there. And second, congratulations. That's great. Thank uh, you. Thank you. My Valentine's Day was was pretty great. We stayed home all day. Uh, we made French toast with brioche bread. We just Ooh. talked about brioche bread just before we recorded mm-hmm. this or we started recording. Um, and we made pizza for dinner, homemade pizza. And and so on paper, this day sounded great, and it was. I want to just say it was. Valentine's Day was great, but on paper, it was wake up, make French toast, drink mimosas, like hang out day drink and then make a pizza for dinner right kind of breakfast dinner that whole kind of thing mm-hmm. but uh eating a very heavy meal and then drinking like three three mimosas right after in the morning will make you want a nap and then when you have a nap at like i don't know 2 p.m or something then you wake up at like 4 p.m groggy as fuck not knowing what's going on <laughs> and it's valentine's day the day's almost over and then you have to make a fucking pizza because you guys both devoted, like, you know, you both committed to this. So you go and drink some wine, pretending like you still want to drink it. And then you <laughs> do the whole pizza process. And it, it, in the end, it turned out pretty great. It was just really rough coming back with that little, like, second wind because, like, like drinking and falling asleep in the middle of a Sunday, you're going to regret that shit later. Bro, falling asleep in the middle of a day, I regret. I regret every time. I take. I try to take a nap on Saturday. Sometimes I wake up every time. Like, ugh, I hate naps. Yeah, yeah. Naps are always. I. I mean, there's there's been a. Oh, Jesus. There's been a few instances where I uh, 
felt refreshed after a nap, but for the most part, it's just like, fuck, I wasted my time, and I feel terrible <laughs> now. Yeah, I yeah. hard agree, hard agree. Um, was the pizza good? The pizza was great. It was a um, really simple sauce. We just used, like, crushed tomatoes and salt, and that was it. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. You just blend up the tomatoes and stuff, and then you put that on the pizza and cook it in the oven. Um, uh, crust was easy. It's quick, whatever. We made uh, four little mini individual pizzas, so two each. Um, we fucked up the first one. We don't have a pizza peel, so we had to kind of like do one of those off of the uh, the cutting board onto the oven, like on the hot pizza stone, and it was 500 degrees. It was pretty precarious, and we weren't sober, so it was we shouldn't have done that. We've got to get a pizza peel. Um, but we both made it, no burns, and the pizza came out pretty good. We had leftovers today for lunch. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for for Lent this year, I'm we're giving up. Uh, well, she's giving up fast food, which basically means I'm giving up fast food, and I'm giving up coffee, which is going to be a real challenge. But basically, since we're giving up fast food, we're going to be cooking a lot more, so making pizzas will be more of a thing. Listen, all I'm saying is that you don't have to give up fast food. You just order McDonald's once a week and eat it in front of Sonovia. <laughs> she would actually. Uh, Develop a deep hatred for me if I started doing that. Even if it was just for fun or whatever, she would hate me over time. <laughs> if you did it once, <laughs> no, dude. If I if I did it once, she'll like she'll remember that forever and bring it up until the day I die. <laughs> and that's not even a her specific thing. That's just like that. Just that's just common sense. <laughs> McDonald's is I, sacred. I I really enjoy. Lent season because it means that basically every restaurant in the whole city sells fish which means that yeah. I can go to pretty much any restaurant I want and I can get food and it's great even Arby's and Arby's has like a yeah. mint shake thing that ruins my stomach but I'm gonna get it anyway <laughs> because let's do it you know what I mean nice and I, I get that even like the local Ford dealership is like hey we've got new tilapia bits yeah, I, uh, I I love it personally. Yeah. Um, but I was going to also ask you the French toast. Yeah. What how did, what was your recipe for the French toast? Because I made French toast with brioche and it was good. I just want to compare recipes. So uh, we kind of did it up. So Synovia was responsible for she made like a Devonshire cream, which is like a really like a dense whipped cream kind of mm-hmm. uh, really really good. And it was some whatever she used for it for the base had like an espresso flavor to it. So it was really really subtle, but it was nice. Um, that and then cut up fruit so like strawberries blueberries and stuff like that that was for the kind of toppings for the actual french toast i just uh did the what do you call it whisk (laughs) yes like i beat i beat the eggs uh with milk and then cinnamon and vanilla that was it and then just dunked the some bitches in there and you know that was it very nice very nice uh did you have powdered sugar oh yes and i did that too as as a topping Hell yeah. Um, when I made French toast, I didn't have powdered sugar, so I went without. But pretty good regardless. It feels essential. Even though it, it's not super noticeable in the end, it feels essential. Yeah, it definitely felt like I was missing something. But, yeah. you know, when you're already that deep into it and then you go to grab the powdered sugar and realize you never bought it, you're just at that point like, well, they're already made. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was great. And uh, I, I want to... Every time I cook a, like just a little bit and I make something that's kind of fancy that requires a little bit of effort, 
I'm like, oh, I might be like a cooking guy. <laughs> so I never, I never really do it. I'm like back to craft mac and cheese the next week, but uh, you know, it's fun. It's I want to be nothing wrong guy. with craft mac and cheese. Is all I'm saying. No, no, for sure. But like, if you made me craft mac and cheese for like my bachelor party, I wouldn't be super stoked. You know what I mean? I'll take that as a hint and write that down. I, that's a list of no-goes. So far we have no-go on Airsoft and no-go on craft uh, Mac and Cheese. <laughs> Eventually, I'll have a list of what we are going to do. I'm just, yeah. I'm just not the right person <laughs> to ask about that right now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exciting. But also, like, I don't give a shit about a bachelor party. Again, just cannot stress that enough. Listen, I have two rules to what the bachelor party is going to entail. Drinking and weed, and we're going to figure it out from there. <laughs> so, <laughs> Those are the pieces that I, I won't let go. Everything else is, is somewhat optional. This just sounds um, like a Saturday, but yeah, okay, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, but with your boys, which means it's unlike a Saturday you've had in a long time. That's true. Um, okay, but now to finish the Valentine's stuff, just real quick, we've got some home game stuff for you. Almost all of it is from Joseph because I took the week off because... I needed to take a week off. Um, but before we get into any of that, how's it going, man? What's the, what's <laughs> the longest intro ever? I thought that was the first, uh, uh, you know, full-on topic. But if not, that no, was like a it's like a, it's like the exposition I gave in the pre-episode. Mm, mm. Sometimes you just need a lot of exposition for your story. It's a very, it's a very rich tale that we're spinning today. Yes. About infrastructure uh, and home game stuff, which we'll talk about after this supremely uncomfortable introduction. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know. It was Valentine's Day. Like I mentioned, Lent, giving up coffee is going to suck pretty hard. I've given up caffeine in the past. Uh, for those unfamiliar, it's a Christian thing. You give up, it's a, it's a, it's a 40 days of sacrifice thing. Uh, so basically, the way that my church and family and people, I think it's different for different groups or whatever but basically no meat on fridays and meat is everything that's not fish because fish aren't people fuck fish they have no souls Agreed. so that's why we're, yeah uh and then uh yeah you give up something that you like for 40 days i'm giving up coffee so last year and the year before or a couple of years before that i gave up caffeine and that was fine um but it was like oh i'll drink decaf or oh you know i can drink whatever but then that was just stupid and anyway giving up coffee this year and so uh today and tomorrow are my last days of drinking coffee until early april so that'll be cool so you're gonna do it up on coffee yeah i'm trying to like me and sinobi were talking about this earlier we basically i need to hate this before i give it up like i can't i can't leave on like a really good note like i gotta go super hard and shit myself or something and really not want to drink coffee anymore and then it's like oh cool i just won't for a while just eat folgers straight out of the tub <laughs> yeah just spoonfuls <laughs> of the crystals or whatever yes. uh no yeah so so today and tomorrow last coffee days very interesting are you going to be able to drink tea or are you giving that up or are you is it, you were in tea for a little bit yeah, I still I've been drinking I've been having like a cup of tea once a week or so for the past few weeks just trying to whatever. Um, I mean, I technically still can. I think it goes against the spirit of what I'm trying to do, which is caffeine, really. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I I don't I think I can, and I like won't be mad at myself if I drink tea. But I generally will try to avoid it. Yeah. I got you. Interesting. Like I said, I like Lent season, not because I <laughs> follow Lent, but because I don't have to, and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a it's like a thing my uh, previous coworker had said. Um, I think I had given up coffee or, or and like one other thing, um, and he was like, "Oh fuck, that sounds rough." But like the best part of giving up anything that you like is when you come back. So it's like, you know, you stop drinking, you come back to drinking, it's way better. You come back to like smoking weed, it's way better because you're tolerance whatever like you're not used to it anymore so when you come back to it it's fucking rad hell yeah i i don't like when lent goes away because suddenly i lose a lot of restaurants that i can't eat at anymore not restaurants fast food places rather but like mcdonald's has the fish fillet year round and i think a lot of the places that advertise their fish right now they have it year round it's just not like no one gives a shit about fish most of the time i don't think that's true i don't think arby's is huh you give a shit about fish I do. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean that part. I don't think a lot of places have fish year round. Like, I don't think Freddy's mm. or, or whatever has fish. You know mm. what? Hmm. What does In N Out do during Lent? I don't think they do anything. They don't give a fuck. In N Out's like, we're Christian. Eat meat. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, Chick fil A is the same thing. Chick fil A is the only one I can really think of that's, like, super Christian. They don't, they're not going to sell you a fish. It's called Chick fil A. You're right. Interesting uh, stuff, but <laughs> very uh, interesting. <laughs> interesting uh, for me, but um, I wanted to to just really briefly tell you a dog story. Yeah. And this story, unlike the last few dog stories, which were very uplifting and happy, is actually not a very uplifting and happy dog story. So. Um, let's we get agility, right? Agility, where all dogs are getting more comfortable better with each other with the handling like because when you're doing agility you can't really like hold onto their leash all the time because they have to like run through tunnels and do weave pulls and go up and down stuff so you have to like to some extent just let your dog be off leash and control them with your body language your words and with a treat or whatever to like lure them where they get a little bit unwieldy whatever um and sapphire had never done that before but she's doing really good about it but this past week a lady one of the uh, people in my class, uh, her very small, maybe 20-pound dog got away from her mm-hmm. and uh, went after Sapphire. And I, luckily at the time, didn't take off her leash yet, so I had her on her leash still. And I ended up in between holding Sapphire with my left hand to stop her from eating this small dog and with my right leg keeping this like 20-pound dog from being eaten but that small dog was barking and snarling and like chomping at the bit to get at Sapphire and Sapphire was pulling and she made no noise. She doesn't bark really. So she was yeah. just like going at this dog, like teeth going. Um, what was the, and, what was the dog's owner doing? Yeah. She, she's physically slow is how I'll describe her because she can't move very quickly. Um, and she eventually does get there in this story, but this tale actually ends with Sapphire accidentally biting me twice on the thigh. Um, and I'm pretty sure the only reason why she didn't get me much worse is because my keys were in that pocket and she couldn't actually like, get around or get like through the keys. So the keys kind of like stopped her from getting at me. But yeah, Jeez. she bit me twice on the thigh on her way to try to kill this dog. Her little lady's dog is, the little lady's dog is like fine, didn't get bit or anything like that. And Sapphire wasn't, I don't think she realized she bit me, and but and she, but she chilled out too. And we actually ran the course a couple of times with no leash, no other incidents or anything like that. But I can tell you with certainty, my dog hurts when she bites. 
Was it worth it? Was it worth the, the sacrifice? A little bit of leg meat for that dog's life? That other dog? Legitimately, it's like one of my nightmares with my dog is when I'm... I, I think about this a lot. Like, if my dog ever got her teeth on a smaller dog, that dog isn't going to make it out. Because she's not a, like, oh, play bite kind of dog. She's a bite and shake kind of dog. And if she bit that dog's face and shook, the old lady wouldn't have a dog anymore. She'd have... Should have a burial to attend, um, and oh, I, 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 and I was really panicking. I think I had like a, an adrenaline rush because I actually didn't realize how bad she got me on the thigh until later. Mm. Um, it's still a little sore, but yeah, it it, it wasn't a great uh, Wednesday for me last week. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, sounds pretty rough. Yeah, it was. It was a little rough and. Um, made me really appreciate the fact that my dog isn't people aggressive. She's she's very somewhat dismissive around other people. So mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty happy about that in retrospect. Because I can't imagine having to like being even more afraid of her going after like a kid or something like that. Because like a small dog is one thing. Like I can pay vet bills or whatever. But like if a kid gets messed up, that's like that's pretty bad. Yeah. But Sapphire is to go after people. Well, nice. <laughs> I <Thank> guess <laughs> not not nice, but yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good time. I didn't enjoy it and that's actually part of why I wanted I I needed to take some time off because she got me not she didn't get me like super terribly bad like I couldn't walk or anything like that, but it was just a minor nuisance to like do a lot of stuff. And so I was like I need some I need some rest and recovery time. Also, because I, I gotta be honest, I was kind of afraid of her for a day or two. Because I was like, "Shit, what if she's like doesn't realize that she bit me?" Or like, I was like, "What's worse, what if she realizes she bit me and she didn't get in trouble for it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just thinks that's okay behavior now, but she doesn't. So we're good. We're good." Nice. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to transition out of that. That's 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 a story though. That was the dog minute of the week. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I don't know if it's a good transition point, so I'll just I'll just tell you. Uh, while I was uh, not getting attacked by my dog accidentally, I found a TV show that I really liked on Netflix called Camp yeah. Cretaceous. Okay. It's, by, uh, it's it's basically like when you see I don't know I, I don't remember if you you're into Jurassic Park or not. I'm very into Jurassic Park, so when I first saw like the Jurassic Park one. Like, the first thing that hit me was, like, oh, what if, like, I was in Jurassic... Like, I was a kid. And I was like, oh, what if, like, I was in Jurassic Park and had to survive? And, like, would I be able to do it? And be like, I'd do all this cool stuff. And, like, they made these mistakes and I wouldn't make those mistakes because I'm, like, a smart kid or whatever. And this show is that. And it's great. It's, like, everything young Yazid would have wanted in a TV show about surviving dinosaurs. Nice. Is it is it, like, hypotheticals? Like, oh, we built this thing that is kind of like a real dinosaur would have been or... Like what is it? No, it's it's legit. The story it's like it's an animated show, I think for like kids. Although it has a lot of death in it for a show for kids, so I don't know if it's actually for kids or not. Mm-hmm. Um, like adults being eaten by dinosaurs, like kind of deaths. But anyway, um, it's uh, it's basically these kids get invited to Jurassic World, which is the like successor to Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. and they're invited to attend this like. They're like basically betaing uh like a youth a kid's summer camp in Jurassic World. And it like it runs parallel to the Jurassic World movie. So that's the one with like the first one with Chris Pratt in it. So this is um, like officially a Jurassic World yeah. license. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and it like it runs parallel, so like you see like um 
you see things that happen in the first one, but you're never like in the action from the first one. Hmm. Um, and uh, basically, like these kids get abandoned on the island just through like a like administrative mishap, basically, where like the adults who are supposed to be watching them had to go do something else, and they left them, you know, in their little like camp cabins or whatever. And these kids, being kids, went to go do their own thing, and they ended up like being in the middle of the park falling apart. And then they were racing to get to the ferry and this story kind of takes place in there so nice. yeah it's uh it's pretty great i like that show quite a bit i watched all two seasons in a week so that should give you an idea of me how hard i power watch that episode and that's the real reason why i didn't do any home games work it's because i watched like 16 hours of tv shows nice. <laughs> uh, well luckily i did a bunch of shit so we'll have something to talk about that's, that's like how it goes i'm i'm the worst employee for you honestly <laughs> it's okay um speaking of shows like we were uh, we had kind of put the sopranos on block for this this week uh, like on, on hold for a little bit uh basically because earlier this week we got to an episode where a pretty uh intense scene happens showing some pretty severe uh like sexual violence and so me and Synovia were kind of like, like, cr- just cringe watching the entire time. Like, oh, fuck, this is like really difficult to watch, whatever. At the end of that episode, she was like, yeah, I can't watch this show for a while. So in my head, I was like, well, shit, I can't watch this show for a while. The riveting podcast talk about the Sopranos updates are going to have to be put on hold. But we went back to it yesterday. Enough time had passed to the point where Synovia was ready to watch the next episode anyway Sopranos is so great but I didn't really watch much of it this week because I kind of started or stopped and then started watching this full time and whatever but next week more hot Sopranos updates you know hey nice I'd like at the end of this to uh, know more about the Sopranos besides it's just like an old school mob movie but in TV format well like the whole show is just a Tony Soprano has a therapist. He talks to the therapist and he has personal issues and these personal issues come up often in his work. That's like pretty much the entire show. And he has a family. (laughs) By the way. BT dubs. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, that was it for TV stuff. I didn't really have anything else. It's kind of worked on home games and it was Valentine's Day. That's pretty much my entire week. I have a question for you. You don't have to answer this on my podcast. But are you gonna work after on home games after your after wedding, or are you gonna take time off of that? Have you figured, like have you thought about any of that? After my, after the wedding, I'll take some time off of my actual job, and I'll hopefully have enough. I like I want to work on stuff to the point of like having something to talk about for that mm-hmm. week of the thing. But I probably won't record an episode that week. I'll we'll pre-record it or whatever. Okay. Cool. 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 All right. I just wanted to double check what was going on there. That's like far out, but it reminded me of when we planned for the December stuff. Yeah. Um, no, but I'll be working on this every week until I die. Or, or until I get bored. Whatever. But I think I was having this realization earlier this week. Um, you know how, how I get that programmer thing, and I think everybody does, but uh, of like, oh, I want to go build this thing. Okay, I kind of got it almost working. I'm going to go build this thing. And I, okay. And then you kind of repeat forever. Nothing is actually done. And on some level, home games is kind of that, like, we're in the process of still doing it. But I, every time I have the thing of, like, oh, I want to go do that, I want to go do that, it's, like, um, in home games. 
So it's like, oh, I want to build a thing that can do this, but it's not separate from this. It's like to add on to this. So mm -hmm. it like home games has been different, I guess, in that way because I keep wanting to build on top of it instead of wanting to build outside of it. I, that makes sense. It's like a the opposite of a of a side project graveyard that most people's GitHub's are. Yeah, yours is like the side projects, side projects. <laughs> it's like the. It's like the. Because the graveyard is where things all go to die, so I guess this is like the garden. Mm, that sounds too hippie, but yeah, sure. It's the we could always kick that up a notch. Call it the old spice garden, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, the old spice garden is what I've been what I've been growing this past week um, <laughs> on uh, infrastructure stuff, uh, infrastructure changes for the most part. Um, I have these these notes here, but instead of going through them, I'm just going to kind of generally talk about what I did. Uh, so, um, one of my bullet point lists was to productionize the infrastructure for home games. I think that like uh, the way that it currently is is that it's just a very fragile process. The way that everything is deployed, the way that everything is running, it's all just uh, EC2 instances that I SSH into, and then Git pull repos, and then run node processes, and then that EC2 instance is behind a uh, or has a DNS record associated to the IP address, so it's just routing home games dot whatever to that IP. Uh, so if that server goes down, service is done. Uh, if I'm updating the service, the service is down. So that was true for everything. And so productionizing infrastructure just means basically getting all that shit out of there. So I spent the whole week doing that, looking into different things and coming to a conclusion that I'm pretty happy with or coming to a solution that I'm pretty happy with. Uh, that involves a lot of AWS stuff. So, just with that, is there any kind of a, a comment that you have on infrastructure or whatever? Um, I guess just some of my general questions, like what what's the AWS stack that you're ended up going with like at the end, and then maybe talk about a couple of things that you tried that didn't work out or you didn't really like, maybe? Because sure. I don't know that much about AWS as I've alluded to in the past. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I've been using AWS for like uh, like years, like five years probably at this point. Um, and up to this point, I've really just stuck to the basics of using EC2 instances, which are just servers um, for people who are unfamiliar with EC2 instances. It's just uh, AWS provides a lot of stuff that can interface with EC2 instances. They can give you you know tools that, that depend on EC2 and things that add to EC2. It's kind of like these different things that chain together uh, in AWS, but the kind of core component that doesn't really need a lot of uh, that stuff is just EC2 instances. So before this change was just, like I said, running servers and, and uh, that whole kind of thing. So the way that, I guess, the way that I approach this stuff generally before I talk about how the, the um, what I think the solution is, is that there's a lot of magic that AWS provides and that's really great, especially for someone in my position who just wants to not worry about servers and bullshit because I want to focus on the other more interesting things. Um, but I do think every time, uh, kind of like our, our approach to using dependencies and, and stuff, it's like if we're not trying to build that part, then we don't need to build that part. So it's like, oh, WebSocket libraries, we can depend on stuff for that. And I'm not trying to build a load balancer, so I can use an AWS load balancer for that. But I think the important thing when depending on any sort of a convenience is having a plan for if that were removed, what would you do to handle the case where, oh, the bill 
like the pricing structure changes and now it's five times more every month and that's unsustainable for me so instead of going bankrupt or shutting down the, pro the project like what do i do and i, I need to have an, an exit plan so uh wanted a solution that had something that, that didn't depend on too much magic too much stuff that i couldn't build myself mm -hmm. if that makes sense yes uh, so, i do okay. like that approach as well yeah i think it makes sense like i don't want to be fucked no one wants to be fucked so that's all that's about uh so i'm looking at this board because i have the the solution stuff so basically at this point i have seven services seven things that require uh like you know a server to be up and running uh and those are the certifier service the home games website homegames.io uh pico de gallo the home games demo website uh the home games builder which has all of the you know is responsible for building binaries and, and providing them for download uh, the authentication service, which handles login and user creation. Uh, and there's homegames.link, which is the service that uh, will link someone to the actual home games instance on their network if, if it's available. And then I, I created a new one uh, for the home games asset management service stuff. I'm calling it landlord at the moment. I don't love the name, but home games asset management, call it landlord. Uh, anyway, so I have seven. And... Um, there's two kind of uh, ways that I'm deploying these services, and there's different reasons for both. So the two technologies are AWS Lambda and AWS Fargate. Uh, Lambda is a, quote, serverless, um, what would you call it? Like server? <laughs> yeah, it's a serverless, arc like, it's serverless processing for your application, uh, serverless architecture, I guess, is whatever the thing is. but. The convenience is essentially AWS says, hey, don't worry about uh, actual you know, processes or like uh, resources available to you. Don't worry about provisioning an instance. Don't worry about kind of the network stuff so much. Like just worry about your application. Um, and so I wrote up a, a, like the authentication service worked on Lambda before I did any of these kind of changes just because uh, um, it's only responsible for talking to one AWS service. So I figured having a simple thing that just talks to other AWS simple things makes a lot of sense. Um, and so that kind of became the approach overall. Like if it's just a service that needs to do a simple thing that talks to other AWS stuff, it should be a Lambda. And if it doesn't need any specific uh, AWS tools, like it doesn't need to talk to uh, Route 53 API, it doesn't need to talk to Cognito API, it doesn't need to talk to any of that kind of stuff, it can be a, a kind of standalone thing. Then I used Fargate. Um, but anyway, so, so Lambda is just serverless. You give it a, a function, um, and then you can run it without deploying it, or, or, or you deploy it through a certain process, but you don't worry about the updating code on the machine part. Fargate, Fargate is essentially that, but Docker containers. So I can make a Docker image and say, hey, run this behind this load balancer. So I can create a load balancer, which just you know sends requests to different things behind it. And then uh, in AWS, these are target groups. So you have a target group for a load balancer. Load balancer does little health checks and stuff like that on this target group to make sure that it's good for requests. And then once it's verified that they're, they're good, then it'll just route them to these uh, things in the target group and then they, they do their stuff. So uh, Fargate allows you to do that without managing the instances that your containers run on. You can also do, uh, so, so that's ECS Fargate uh, elastic container service running on Fargate. 
The alternative in ECS is running on EC2 instances, which is the same thing, but you manage the actual infrastructure. You say, I want an EC2 instance with 16 gigs of memory and this whatever thing. Like all, You configure an EC2 instance, you configure a server, and then you configure Docker containers to run uh, inside of it, and then ECS will place them within these, these uh, instances, and you can create more instances and that kind of stuff, but you scale it yourself. Fargate, you just say, I want four, four containers running with this many resources available to each that type of stuff does that all make sense yes i think it does lambda well, is a function yeah 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 it might not to people but i guess the the takeaway is i view this stuff as lambda for stuff that needs to talk to other aws tools fargate for stuff that doesn't fargate is essentially docker containers managed by aws and i don't think about the infrastructure lambda is essentially a function single like uh, just like a, a bunch of code managed by AWS that I don't even it's not even a container like I'm sure I don't know what happens behind it but my code is just my code I guess mm -hmm. um, so before I had like I said seven different EC2 instances and then at the end of all this I'll have one which will cut my AWS bill by quite a bit actually hooray um, yeah so uh yeah, anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to save money on my AWS bill because, uh, yeah, some of them have been pretty, been pretty severe. <laughs> um, was there any, um, anything that you had tried that you, you ended up scrapping while like, looking at uh, things that AWS was offering? I guess I wouldn't say I, I like, scrapped anything. I just kind of thought about setting this up outside of these services because a few times when setting up... Uh, Fargate. It was one of those things where uh, the the tutorial is just throwing all these things at you, and if they don't click immediately, you're kind of fucked because it keeps building and building on top of like this set of information that you just don't understand. Um, so I would just get frustrated and think like, man, fuck all this. I'm just gonna go do it myself. But I always knew that that was really un unfeasible um, because if I wanted to do this, like manage all these these services in such a way that. Uh, was like easy to manage and scalable and nice and whatever. Like I, I could spend months doing just that and never touch home games code during that entire time. So that's not what I want to do because mm -hmm. uh, my time is pretty like limited and I like have a job outside of this shit. You know, I can't, I can't devote that much time to something that's not the point. Um, so that was kind of, I guess, an idea that I scrapped. Uh, and so I kind of forced myself to figure out these, these new services and stuff. Um, one thing I was thinking was Kubernetes, just learning Kubernetes, since everything kind of has a Docker, a Docker uh, image that we're already building, like half of the stuff that we had, we had Docker files for. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought, okay, well, maybe I can just manage this stuff with Kubernetes, and then I don't need to engage with any of the AWS services. I can just kind of have EC2 instances where I have like a Kubernetes cluster or whatever, and I manage it through there, and I can teach myself Kubernetes in the process. But then it's like that's kind of a different way of wasting time like it's valuable for me because i get to learn these things but it's not valuable for the project because you don't want me like fucking around with infrastructure to be our production infrastructure <laughs> uh yeah. so so this thing of like okay well i i just need something where i i basically don't need to be restarting it by sshing into the machine every week like every time I check Pico de Gallo, it's down. And I'm like, oh, of course it is. I need that to not be the case. Like I need it to just be up. And like I talked about before with logs and stuff like that, uh, 
the reality is a lot of the things I do were just console logs. And so like on an EC2 instance, like we talked about, this, we talked about this before, but I just run the node process, redirect standard out and standard error to a certain, to a log file. And then when the process dies, I just check that log file and I'm like, oh, guess it's fucked. Restart. We'll probably be fine this time. And like, that's been the process and that, that can't be it when like any, if anybody is using this stuff, like, like, I, I'm okay with being a, a bottleneck for like home games features or whatever, that kind mm. of stuff. But in terms of like, oh, Pico de Gallo is down and Joseph is the only one that can do anything about that. Like, I don't like that. So it, that needs to be off. So this was the best way to do that in a way. Like, like I said, where I get it, I have an understanding of what's happening. Like it's a load balancer and Docker containers and lambda stuff like less so but same kind of thing like i can put this function up behind a load balancer myself and i don't need this stuff but this stuff is convenient and it's good for now and it's not like prohibitively expensive for me to use as someone who's just basically spending this money as hobby money not because we don't have a business here like you know what i mean I don't, this mm -hmm. is just out of my pocket so it seemed reasonable for me i guess from that perspective yeah i i agree and i understand um Nice. Thanks for, for doing that. I think one of the lines that you had in there was really interesting. The me fucking around with production infrastructure isn't shouldn't be the production <laughs> infrastructure we go with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, like, like this whole thing to some extent is just fucking around. Like we're fucking around with this podcast. We're fucking around with uh, the project itself. We're fucking around with pretty much everything we do because nothing matters. Like it's not serious. It's not real. It's not whatever. Um, but I think I'm saying that kind of like as a, as a like, haha, my life's in shambles, haha. Where it's like, guys, it's just a joke. But like, you really mean it. Like, I really want this to be cool as shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want it to be just like, ha ha the whole time. So in order for that to even be a thing, like, we can keep fucking around on the software side because like we know software and you know we can. We well, have... let's not get carried about the we. You know <laughs> software. I'm along for the ride. <laughs> we, we have a general understanding of what software is. There we uh, go. And we have. It's kind of like we're free to fuck around in that space because there's nothing we mm -hmm. can really destroy. Like we're not going to leak someone's password if we have a bug in home games code because we don't manage that stuff. That's why mm -hmm. we're using Cognito because we have no ability to even leak your shit. We don't have it. Like, we don't, we don't have it at all. Uh, so that in that case, it makes sense. And in the case of, Oh, well fuck, like there's people trying to access this code that we wrote and they're trying to run these things that depend on these services and these services are bullshit. Like that stuff we can't fuck around with. Like, it needs to be real. So, mm -hmm. yeah, infrastructure and authentication stuff are definitely not managed by us, and they shouldn't be, because that's not our focus. We're not building either of those. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, one other change I made in there is, so, like, I had a, I had, we talked about homegames.link before and how it was a, uh, it was just an in-memory cache. And it's funny because we talked about, uh, we talked about the state of home games infrastructure like a year ago and the kind of done this and I had said something like well I mean it's pretty much done like the beauty of this is that we don't need much infrastructure because we don't run this shit ourselves but it's like okay well when we have a website and we have a demo thing and we have a binary builder slash pusher slash whatever and we have like this HTTPS thing and we have this DNS record thing and like you need these services and so uh, that was stuff I just didn't know at the time but anyway uh, link 
was just using an in-memory cache. It was just using a, a dictionary or object in memory. And so when someone would connect to homegames.link, it would say, hey, here's my private IP address. I'm a server or whatever. Homegames.link would keep that in a map in memory. The next time someone from that public IP connected, homegames.link would check that in-memory cache. Eventually, uh, I moved that to Redis because in a world where we needed, where we could potentially have multiple home games link instances, we would need a, a, a having an in-memory cache in one instance doesn't work when there's more than one instance because they can't access each other's memory. So mm. you would get out of sync type of stuff. Um, so I introduced Redis, even though I only had one home games link instance. And then now I'm going to make home games link a lambda function, and so that lambda function needs to access Redis. Uh, which is the, the memory ca in memory cache for all this stuff that was originally just in the one instance. Um, and so I had set up, because Elasticache is the AWS version of, of like a hosted version of Redis, it'll just give you a cluster for a certain fee um, and you can just connect to it and, and that's it. Uh, so anyway, I was originally gonna set up an EC2 instance running Redis because uh, I thought it would be more cost effective, but the second I started going into like VPC configuration for the EC2 instance and getting it to work well with like these land, like this Lambda function calling it, I was like, I oh, fuck this. So use Elasticache, set up an IAM role from the Lambda to the Elasticache and it's all good, it's all working. Very small VPC configuration stuff there. Virtual private cloud configuration stuff there. So uh, anyway, more productionization of stuff. We have a proper like scalable Redis cluster and not just a instance running Redis. Yeah, I was going to say, like, one of the things uh, while you were talking about that I think is funny uh -huh. is is in software, they always start, like, separation of concerns. And in mm -hmm. this case, the separation of concerns was just separating you from the concerns. <laughs> <laughs> you were managing all of that, but now it, it sounds like you've offloaded quite a bit, so you'll have less infrastructure slash DevOps stuff to, to work with or to deal with anyway. Yeah, there's a little bit of automation I still need to do. Like I wrote a build and deploy script for all these services, um, mm -hmm. for all the Fargate services at least, not for the Lambdas. But that lets me deploy like four different services without actually having to SSH into anything. Well, I have to SSH into the, the builder host. That's one other thing I wanted to mention. This whole thing with like serverless is a fucking lie uh, because it is servers. They, they just pretend that you they don't exist. They don't tell you about specifics of them or whatever, but there are servers that everything is running on. Uh, and so with Fargate, the whole thing was, oh, just give us a Docker image and we'll just run it, no problem. But because this Mac that I have is a is the M1 processor, so it's an ARM processor, uh, I guess that's incompatible with the, the Docker images that Fargate needs because it's, it's the actual server it's running on is an x86. I think it's like an AL2 and it was on the next two x86 thing. So. Uh, you need to compile or like build your Docker image on an x86 machine. Even though the whole promise of Docker is like portable images that work wherever, it's like actually no, because anyway, it's like a whole stupid thing, but realizing that this whole serverless thing required me to build for the same architecture as the server it's running on. It's kind of stupid. Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah, but now the builder, the builder will be responsible for doing these things where it'll like, uh, it's basically responsible for pulling from a GitHub repo. Then it creates a custom Docker file. Um, and the Docker file just has environment variables, like with secrets and stuff for them to, to run when they're running like an R infrastructure. Um, so like AWS keys or whatever the hell, anything like that would go into this uh, 
this process here where it's just injecting environment variables into like the Docker file and then running Docker build and then that whole thing and running them within our uh, AWS account. So mm. a little bit of automation stuff there, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's certainly worth it to not have our shit going down and me being like, oh, I'll get to that when I'm off work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll never forget trying to show somebody uh, Pico de Gallo when it was still making the infinite wah noises. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it went down like four times. Yeah. Uh, oh, that still probably might be my favorite um, home game. That's well, like one of my top 10 favorite home games memories. When we hit episode 100, I'm gonna, we're, that'll be my question. Um, but Home games memories? That was, yeah. Sure. It's probably or like just... milestones. Yeah, uh, that'll be fun. There have been several, but yeah, it's a it's a it was an infrastructure type week. I didn't actually touch home games. Oh, oh, I guess I, I will say I uh, tested my Raspberry Pi. Like I said, I was going mm-hmm. to. So I ran my Raspberry Pi uh, in configuration or in a performance configure or performance profile configuration whatever stuff. Uh, so I can see the timing of the server rendering and the client stuff. What? Stumbling over my words. No, no, I realized. Or you called it performance profiling, which is just pee pee, and I. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, so I put it into to that mode. Uh, you put it in pee pee mode. <laughs> and, uh... All right, I'm back. I'm back. I'm here. All right, let's do it. Continue. Basically, I confirmed what I thought, which is that the client side performance is the problem. Uh, so mm. on the Raspberry Pi, it's able to uh, squish the entire dashboard uh, at 100 renders a second. So it's able to do that pretty fine. Uh, but the problem is on the client side, it's getting 14 FPS. I think one, just the actual render time is like 15 milliseconds to 20 milliseconds on average. Um, so. Like I said, it's the it's the client side stuff. So I'll know that if it runs well on the Raspberry Pi in the web browser, um, then that'll be a, a pretty safe bet that it'll run well on on most stuff. But I, I have the problem. I just got to fix it. Uh, okay, cool. Um, I had one more question. I know you touched on it, but what was Landlord again? Oh yeah, Landlord is the asset service. So like I had mm-hmm. talked about the whole thing of. Um, if you are making a game and you have uh, files that you need, like assets or whatever, you can give us a URL. Um, this is the current state of it. You give us a URL and the game just loads it. Like it'll it'll assume that that URL is available, that resource is available whenever the game is gonna access it and it's gonna store it and it's gonna just use it. But there's no check that the person who's writing the game actually owns that asset or uh, can use that asset and there's no guarantee that that URL that they provide is going to be up next week or in a year or anything like that so uh, for the game to not break whenever that thing goes down we need to first verify that the person making the game owns it so by providing the asset through this service like they're they're agreeing that it belongs to them or whatever so mm-hmm. kind of cover our asses there um, I'm thinking, I have never talked to a lawyer in my life, so I'm guessing that we would need to do this kind of a thing. No, yeah, I... uh, The company I work for ran into similar problems where we were storing information from clients, and those clients may or may not have had that uh, uh, legally, so we almost got in trouble for it, but because of the way that we forced them to make a statement of, like, that we 
we are agreeing that we own this piece of information. Mm-hmm. Um, we we weren't liable for it. So yeah. I think that's a good move on our part. Yeah, so that's... Because I don't think that, we, we and I can get sued by Disney. House and Mouse, uh, they hit pretty hard. Right, yeah. Like if someone up, if someone is like, oh yeah, the little mermaid.mp4 is part of my game assets. Like right now, they can technically do that. Uh, or Moana or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can technically do that. And so we need a way to, to yeah, first cover our, our selves in, in that process. Or in that case, uh, you know, we can say, yeah, this person said they own Little Mermaid. That's their fault, not ours. Um, the whole thing but then the other part is the availability thing so like I said we can't guarantee that that stuff is going to be available whenever the game is going to uh, need to retrieve it and it's not going to be available forever uh, mm. so I'm working on a service where a game developer will say hey you know here is the name of my game and we're going to have to have some sort of way to associate a game to the developer and those things to the assets so that's still kind of a work in progress there um so yeah, if you go to landlord.homegames.io, I think you just see like a test message that I had, I got working because that was the first one that I used to test all this Fargate deployment stuff. So none of it's actually implemented yet, but that's what it's going to be. It's just uh, media uploads and retrieval. Um, I have uh, a couple more questions. on on For Landlord, how are we going to have that work with offline mode? Would it just be... The, have you figured that out yet or is that something you've been thinking of? Yeah, so the, the offline mode works today by basically just, because every time it accesses a file, it'll cache it locally. It'll do a, a hash of like the file name or something and then keep it locally. Uh, so next time it needs that asset, it'll just reference it without needing to download it again. And it won't, it won't need it again unless you uh, wipe the asset cache or whatever. Uh, so um, yeah, that's the whole thing. So I guess if it's a, it, with the asset service, it'll still be the exact same process. It's just that it'll be more reliable in that way. You can still like the the little button that I had in my demo, like the download all assets button, that'll still work the same. It's just, it'll be pinging, it'll be hit, hitting the asset service instead of whatever URL you've you've uh, given us. Oh, cool, cool. Um, and then uh, I have uh, maybe one other question. Um, is it possible that maybe um, uh, we have a not a function, but we have a, a like a home game specific place where they list out what uh, assets that they're gonna ask for, and we do a check on the asset service to see if it's there. Like basically, like verify. So my idea was that basically we can have u- not unit tests, but I guess integration tests with the games. So that if a game ever lost an asset, or if home games, or, or if landlord ever couldn't find that asset anymore, it mm-hmm. would just tell us like, hey, that that doesn't exist anymore. So that game is like a mark against it. Because then yeah. we can always take that information and we display it. Like, hey, this game is good, but has this problem where like an asset isn't loading. And we don't necessarily know why that asset is used, but not working. Yeah. Well, we could even fill it in with like a default. Like you'll see in in games when it's like asset missing texture. It's like a no texture Oh, yeah. Texture. The, <laughs> yes, yeah. I know that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so like what the current thing is you declare assets as like these static things in your metadata of the game. So you do declare like what I have available and that's how we have that download button so we're able to see what we need, what we can download and what we have downloaded. That's how that mm-hmm. whole thing goes. Um, and so I the way I'm thinking of it is instead of being this constructor that takes a just a, a you know, resource location, like generic resource location, it'll be an ID. So essentially when you go to the asset service, you'll probably just do this through the homegames.io website and you'll upload it through there, but it's actually talking to a different service. Um, 
But what you'll do is you just give it give it your file, give it your name and whatever, and it'll probably go into some categorized thing. Like you could probably associate a like maybe tag an asset. I don't know how that whole thing will work, but you have like a collection of assets that you could say like these belong to certain things and groups, and I can organize them in certain ways. Um, and then you get an ID for each asset. So if you're saying that square depends on this, you know, PNG of Goatsy, I'll go to the PNG of Goatsy, get the image ID, and then put it into my game's metadata as like this thing I've referenced, and then I give it a name for me to reference in my code, right? And then that's kind of that whole process. Um, so it, it would be the same as now, it's just that we, would be, we wouldn't be so free with the resource link thing. It would just be an asset, like a home game's asset ID. And we'd be able to check like, okay, well we can just hit landlord.homegame slash this ID and see if it fails or not or whatever. I got you. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I would like to, yeah, because if we could do that, even at, um, if we could do that basically on, on a build maybe or something like this, we could know what games have missing assets and then we could give that information over to the, the dashboard. So when they're going through to pick a game, they could be like, oh, this game has got missing assets, hasn't been updated in a while, maybe we don't, maybe we play a different game or something like this. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, the, if we wanted it to be in the dashboard like that on a build process, it would be something like, oh, yeah, it would be like a, a check on the build and it would go through every game's metadata and then see if they're available at the time of that build. But that doesn't mean that if like, if, if the service goes down before the game is actually gonna be played, like it'll give you the it'll think that everything is okay because at the time of building it was okay but at the time of trying to play it might be down so mm -hmm. if we wanted to do it like in a dynamic way we could just on every startup of the game server try to hit each one of them and then the chances are less likely that it'll be down because it just hit it you know and you're, you're closer to the time that you're actually playing the game but uh yeah that's an interesting thing of like the fallback of when this thing is down what do we do um we also need other reasonable limitations like I'm paying for the storage behind this service, so mm -hmm. like people can't just upload four terabyte things and like you you know we need to have limits. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's also this this potentially opens up the. This is not a way that I like doing this, but if a way for monetization, um, say like oh for for free you get you know ten gigabytes of assets and that seems like a fucking lot but if you want more you can pay us money because at a certain point like we can't just keep paying for shit without any revenue so yeah. that would make sense because there's a direct cost to us and that kind of thing mm. um, so anyway there's just there's a lot to figure out there and I guess just generally speaking once I finish all this uh, infrastructure stuff I, I still want to go back and like I said clean up a bunch of code and all this, this other kind of stuff but it's essentially just spending the rest of the year like making everything really great like really really solid and really good and impressive and nice and no new kind of core foundational features just kind of fucking around with the rest of the year and trying to just make everything better um yeah it's really kind of the whole thing for me nice i uh am excited i think landlord it will be a great addition i think it's um it's it reminds me of like the old stories of the n64 about mm -hmm. how like or even before the n64 how like in in Mario, like the bushes where the clouds just recolored because mm. they could only store so much for their assets. Yeah, uh, I, I just I, I love that stuff from like a just somebody who's appreciated video games for so long kind right. of way, and it, it reminds me of that quite a bit. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, speaking of that, I don't know why, but but yeah, it's a funny coincidence because I just played a uh, Mario sixty four this morning, and I was like super bummed out because it's a 
it's like the Switch version of it, like a remake remade version available on Switch, and it kind of sucks ass. It's kind of disappointing. So it's funny that you mentioned. Oh, that's kind of what's I tried to play it on an emulator, and mm-hmm. I uh, can't because I can't hold a controller, and you yep. can't walk diagonal in that game if you don't have a controller. It's mm-hmm. like this literally like obstacles where it's like this is like like really like like the first time you like cross a plank and that plank is at an angle and I was like I can't do it <laughs> it's over for me <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah no that's that's it for for home game stuff I continue to be excited about everything I'm or we're building but fuck man it's like, like the list it's like every time I take one thing down it's like I add three more things because I'm like oh fuck I gotta do that too oh I gotta do this but the fact that we're at a point where like like homegames.io is currently on uh, Fargate, so like I deleted the homegames.io EC2 instance, and that was already a cool thing because you could go to that website right now, and uh, it's loading, you know, which is pretty 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 crazy because uh, I don't know what it's running on, which is pretty wild. <laughs> Very nice, dude. That is super cool. I'm I am. I'm not. I might not be as equally stoked as you because I didn't do the work, but I am very stoked. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's, it's very also because cool. I still don't understand AWS stuff still. So that's that's a work in progress. Well, that'll me. be a that'll be a cool thing, I guess. Like we'll figure it out, you know, kind of throughout the process. Like I said, I kind of know what I know about AWS, and it's not a whole lot. Like I kind of just know a little bit about a bunch of different services, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no. And then if you have questions on AWS stuff, like feel free to ask me. I'm sure that people people listening also have no fucking idea what I'm talking about sometimes. So, <laughs> explain serverless architecture. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready to move on to song of the week? Yes, song of the week. Uh, your song of the week last week slash this week was Harlem by Cathedrals. Mm-hmm. This song was over four minutes long. Yes. <laughs> that is how I will describe it first and foremost. Uh, it was it was cool. There was um, there, it was like very layered I guess is what made it kind of interesting uh, and it would kind of switch out parts of the layers and then bring them back in. It kind of like kept changing uh which was really cool and i liked how some of the sounds fit together i guess in the middle it kind of it kind of hit a stretch of like not changing enough and it kind of lost me halfway through but then it kind of came back towards the end of getting cool again Mm -hmm. uh not a whole lot of like content for me to latch on to but it was cool it was very vibracious (laughs) i like that word um yeah i I like cathedrals quite a bit i think their whole dealio is is using a lot of layers. Uh, Harlem is, ooh, I, I enjoy that song quite a bit. Obviously. Nice, yes. yeah, it was cool. It's it's not going on the playlist, but it's cool. <laughs> it could go on the playlist, but it won't. But it won't. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I like um, quite a few songs by by Cathedrals. I, honestly, I found them because I liked one of their songs, which is really slow and very long. Uh, and then I found Harlem, and I was like, "Oh man, this song, this song slaps in a yeah. different way. I like it." Um, I actually wanted to go back and listen to, um, I think it's Freddie Gibbs, but I don't remember if that's an actual rapper man. It is a rapper, but he has a 
he recommended a rap song to me a long time ago, and I said I really liked the first half, and I didn't like that there was a con- there's like a switch in the middle. Oh, it, was it uh, was it fake names? It might be fake names. Yeah, I don't remember. I want to go back and listen to that song because like listening to something like this by Cathedrals, I don't think I really would have if I hadn't listened to so many songs at this point that do have heavy switching yeah. and changes to the like background beats. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's different. Like that song, that Freddie Gibbs song, is literally a different song. Like yeah. it could have been a different numbered track, and it would have made total sense because it's a different beat, different flow, different. Every it's a different song. Uh, whereas this one is kind of like the, like the boat thing, or like how many how many repairs do you make to a boat, and at what point is it no longer the original boat? No. <laughs> like if you start off and the song is doing this kind of floating along and you take off parts of the beat and then by the end of it it's a completely different song at what point did it stop becoming the song at the beginning you know? I see what you mean yes yes I, I think that's why I like this song so much is because you don't even realize that it's changed yeah because they have like six they have like six layers and they just like take one away and then add it back and then take it away and then add it back and then switch them up a little bit yeah that's super cool it's like it, it reminds you that songs are actually like uh there's like a mathematical structure to the to the way that a song works it's not just some vibe that someone hit with like recording music you know it's like <laughs> there's real numbers to it even though it's like hard to uh find them i guess but all like all the pretty music and stuff is just numbers it's pretty crazy yes it, it that's like i never really understood i don't i don't have no idea how to make music or to like be musical at all so Dude. it's all just magic to me no i i i was off the edible and i tried just like making it a beat one time like with this thing I, oh it's the it's the it's the dashboard music i talked about a few weeks ago I have like 40 minutes of the recording of me trying to do that, just trying to make something. Being like, oh, well, I know if I go boom, 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 boom. Like, like, like there's certain things that you need to do to make it work or whatever. And it's like, I don't know how the fuck to do that. I don't know how to get the timing right. I don't know how to get anything right. Like, I don't know what any of these effects are. I have no idea. I just know <laughs> I love Young Thug, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy because like people like uh, Dead Mouse will live stream him writing songs for his album, mm-hmm. and you can just you literally just watch him put all that stuff together, yeah. and then he'll be like, "Oh, I like this part, but I don't like this part." And then sometimes he'll like parts of a song, but then just scrap them completely because they don't fit what he's actually going for. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's super cool. There's a, a dude named uh, Kenny Beats who does a video series on YouTube where he shows him making beats very quickly for rappers and then they just freestyle over it and it's it's pretty interesting just seeing the process is, is the cool thing oh you showed that to me i liked it yeah yeah i like stuff like that there's a youtube channel also called red means recording and he does that but with like a some sort of archaic version of the hmm. beat pad or whatever i have no idea what it is but it's like a he likes it or whatever i don't know yeah. um but also just low-key the one part of last week that i do remember was that i needed to listen to yo Gotti's law oh and yeah he, boy it did listen to yo Gotti's law a couple of times and that song never fails to make me laugh it's so ridiculous that i love it also i like i like how instead of saying 
like the way that you're like Yo Gotti's Law sounds like it's in a textbook somewhere. Like, it oh is. yeah, today in ninth that's grade, that's the law, man. That's the learned, law. <laughs> yeah, we learned we learned Yo Gotti's Law. Don't fuck no bitch. Ain't fucking with your dog. Dead law. Hello. You is. come up. Don't forget about your dog. Did you find anything new in the song? Any new appreciation for uh, any any hidden lines that you previously uh, didn't catch or whatever? Um. No, I watched the music video for it, and honestly, that takes an already ridiculous song and just cranks it up a little <laughs> bit more for me. And I can't get over the fact that somebody greenlit that song, that music video, <laughs> everything about it. I think that's and the I beauty. Love it. That's the beauty of that kind of stuff. Is like Yo Gotti and E Forty made that song, and I think at a certain point, like they're just able to. Like no one was like, "This is kind of goofy." It was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna put this on the album. Like it's fucking great." Like E40's verse is gonna start off with paper over plastic, P.O.P. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. It means use more paper products, bro. <laughs> Aren't you environmentally conscious? Uh, um, I, 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 I if you haven't listened to that song and you're listening to that show, please do yourself a favor and listen to Yogati Law, alright? Because that song will change you on a fundamental level. <laughs> You'll go into it and you'll be like, you know, like I'm, I, I listen to a little bit of hip hop or whatever, and you'll leave it being like that long. Yeah, yeah, you'll be like cash on delivery, COD, just kind of out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> find it creeping into your life. <laughs> God, that song's so good. Oh man, but uh, your song of the week was—is this? Do you say it or do you spell it? Okay, so the song name, it like the letters all ca- like it's all capital letters, U O E N O. But I the song if you like if you listen to the chorus is him saying whatever whatever whatever, you and you know it. You know like you didn't even know it. Oh. So it's you and you know. You and you know it. You anyway, U O E N O. U O E N O by It's the Black Hippie remix though, not the original version by Rocco and Future. Um it's, it's interesting. The song is interesting because I I think there's like a bunch of different rappers on this, right? Yeah. So so Black Hippie is a a group with uh, Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, uh, J Rock, and Ab Soul. Like they 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 uh, basically some of the biggest rappers in hip hop, uh, especially Kendrick Lamar. Um, at a time where like. A super group and it looked like they would be doing a lot more like as a super group mm-hmm. uh, and their, their name was Black Heavy. now they're just like a record label they don't do, really do a whole lot as a group anymore it's kind of sad this song is like six years old uh, it's a remix of a song that uh, was controversial for a really stupid Rick Ross line that he said in it that was dumb so there's like references to it in this remix uh, mm-hmm. um there's one line where it's like Molly in her drink, but she knew that or whatever, and it's because in the original song, Rick Ross, the Rick Ross line was, "Put Molly in her drink and something, something," but she didn't even know that. It's kind of like oh. a rape, like a rape bar. Yeah, that's uh, uh, okay. All right, I'm <laughs> glad that they changed that one. No, they um, didn't. That was in the song. It's just in the in the in the remix that this one, like this remix, they referenced that controversy by having that line. Oh, yeah. okay, all right. Well, I didn't. I honestly didn't even catch that. I didn't know that that line had been in the original. Um, I I think it's interesting from this song just hearing the different rappers do their thing on this one because I don't know any of them. So this was all new to me. 
in terms of like their their flow their their how they talk how they sound yeah and it was kind of interesting to me just try to be like I realized that there were more on there and I don't know who's who but yeah. I was like okay all right there's there's a, there's a lot in this song there's a lot to unpack in this song. I think I'd have to listen to it a couple of times to really get it. I think I said a lot with your music, but this one, add that to the list for this one. Yeah, for sure. Like this one, this one is four verses from four different dudes. And then at the end of it, it's the future part from the original song. So it's like, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to try to parse, I guess, because it's just a fuck. Like it's a rap song. Like it's four mm. rappers rapping to rap, and then it's a remix of another popular song because they're like, "Oh, we like this beat." It's just like fucking rap the fuck out of it. You know what I mean? It's kind of mm. what they did. Uh, and like, yeah, like you said, like they all have super different styles, uh, different voices, different like everything. And uh, this song, I made it my song of the week because it was it came on my Spotify Discover Weekly because um, this song came out like years and years ago. And I don't know if you get this, but Spotify Weekly will sometimes just have like unofficial uploads of songs that you knew from forever ago, and I don't even know if they're like officially on Spotify, but some fucking guy uploaded it, so here it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it came on like that, and and like I haven't heard the song in forever, but I still knew every word, like almost every word. It was like, fuck, this song is so good. Like, it's it's like I said, it's just a rap song, but it's not a rap song in the same way of like Benny the Butcher, like that type of beat. It's a different mm-hmm. type of beat, a different type of rapping, but it's still just rapping. Like there's no there's no real hook on it. Uh, there's no whatever. Like they just do verses. It's it's crazy. So good song. Yeah, I think I think I would listen to this song a couple of times before I really like got it. Because it's it's, it's just song is he- heavy in terms of like content. Maybe yeah. it is. I I can't tell honestly, but it's heavy in terms of like as somebody who doesn't listen to a lot of rap, trying to figure out what they're what's going on in it. Yeah, me, I mean, anyway. it's it's not like super high level lyrical stuff though. It's kind of like surface level metaphor. I mean, it's not like the deepest craziest stuff. You know, it's just you know, no talking when I'm off that loud. I I came quick, so she pissed. You know, I'm good for another round, but it's hard when everybody on your dick. Another round, she would, I got you. I got everybody's you. on got my you. dick. Mm-hmm. It's not like you got to really ponder it, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, there's a lot of that where you like you listen to it, like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I actually, I'll come clean on this one. Normally, when I listen to a rap song that you recommend, um, I have the lyrics up side by side so that I can follow along. Basically, like as I'm listening to the song, I can read the lyrics and be like, okay, all right, mm-hmm. all right. I got kind of cocky on this one because the last few I was like, you know, I'm feeling them. And this one I was like, shit, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, this one's not the one for that. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should maybe I show the links. And I was like, nah, I'm not really listening to this song. <laughs> uh, I'll do that later with the lyrics up before I, so I can figure it out. Yeah. It's also a five-minute song, so, you know, it's kind of a lot of work to listen to it twice. It's a lot to ask. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to listen to your songs of the week a couple of times normally, too, because it's... Like I said, I'm not very good at listening to rap. It's something that it's a skill I'm still working on. So yeah. this one, I definitely felt more of like a, yeah, you know, I'm getting it. I'm feeling it. I've listened to enough rap now. I could probably do this. And then I listened to it and I was like, I don't I, can't, I don't understand it. <laughs> you reminded of your novice status. Yeah. Sometimes it's, a, it's like a beginner. You got to get something like that has to happen to you. You're just reminded that no, you got to put in the work. And then yeah. <laughs> you got to earn this. Yeah. 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 How many how many years have you been listening to hip hop? Uh pretty much my entire life. Like twenty 
like my entire life like probably since I was three at least so 23 years really yeah like my first ever uh, music that I remember listening to was uh, Country Grammar by Nelly that's the album that had uh, like Andale Andale Mami yeah yeah oh, you know that one Andale Andale Mami you don't know that that's like the anyway Nelly you should look him up he had like the biggest songs Fuck. I I think I never got Nelly in my life. I, the other thing too is like when I was in, probably like up until I met you, really, um, and started like talking to you. I was definitely of the opinion that like Ugh, music is so lame, bro. And then I it, it's not like it's not you aren't the cause of this, but there's a correlation between us becoming friends and me starting to like appreciate music. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. I think Zenobia said that too, like that uh, specifically with like rap music and stuff, like I really helped her get into that whole genre. It's cool. It's like we talked about before. There's so much, um, there's so much like backstory. Like on that, on that song, like, oh, there was a really famous controversy for like a week on the internet when Rick Ross said a rape bar. But like you, like everything moves fast. Like if you weren't kind of following that kind of news at the time, like you're not going to find that unless someone tells you about it, you know? So it's kind yeah, of. Yeah, I just know I would have known that. Period. I wouldn't even known to go and look at it. I would have been like, okay, that's just the line in this song. Yeah. <laughs> or on Rap Genius, you would click on the part where someone mentions rape, and you're like, why would you talk about that? And then it's like, oh, he's referencing another song where the guy talked about this. You know? It's like, anyway, it, 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 there's resources for yeah, it, but I guess people don't aren't introduced to it. I guess. I I I'll never forget. I think it was M- when Eminem dropped his like last album. I think it was like Kamikaze or whatever. I was actually there to like see the drop and like be in it. And I was like, God damn, <laughs> hip hop people are like a different level compared to most other genres I listen to. Yeah, they well, like Eminem, nitpick every line. Eminem fans are like a different breed. There's like hip hop fans, and for a lot of part, there's Eminem fans. And if it's a Venn diagram, there's actually like not a lot of overlap. Oh, really? I did not know that. Like modern Eminem, at least in, in my experience, people who are super into hip-hop mm-hmm. don't listen to a lot of Eminem. And people who listen to a lot of Eminem aren't super into hip-hop. Mm, it's kind of I my see. generalization, but Eminem is like a diff. Like, basically, Eminem, in my opinion, like just is, is not... He shouldn't make music anymore. <laughs> and, uh, people who still listen to like his stuff like they just love Eminem and like they want to hear his type of rapping and like I just don't I think a lot of like hip hop for the most part is um, you know the kind of young thug type the like sing rap about selling coke and shit and then there's Eminem which is like <laughs> I'm the man with the plane when I got a gram in my hand <laughs> Flanagan Benigan you know what I mean like, he's just trying to... <laughs> hip hop's moved on since then <laughs> yes yeah no one raps like that anymore and he just tries yeah. to rhyme every syllable with every other syllable but like it's technically impressive I don't give a fuck about that you know what I mean <laughs> lyrically impressive musically outdated <laughs> yeah yeah it's a like a there's a there's a line in another song that came out this week and it's called That Go by Meek Mill and Young Thug and uh, this other dude named T-Shine and there's a part where Meek Mill in his in his verse he says something about uh, I got that Petty Baghetti, but like he's like the Betty Baghetti, and like he's just rhyming Eddie with Eddie because, like, whatever, right? And if you say it fast, like it sounds kind of cool, 
but he's just like, I got that Freddy Spaghetti Spaghetti. <laughs> if you stop and hear what the fuck he's saying, it's nonsense. If you listen to what Eminem is saying, it's not nonsense, but it sucks. You get bars like, girl, your booty is heavy duty, like diarrhea. And when I heard that bar on, on his album, uh, Revival, I cut that shit off and I have never listened to another Eminem album again. That was like three years ago. <laughs> the worst analogy I've ever heard in my whole life it's oh my god horrendous that man shouldn't do that anymore like it's funny but like no one wants to hear this oh oh he even had another one he's like uh this is on a different a different album a different song I tried to give him another chance and it was like um they call us liquid plumber cause even Dre know like Dr. Dre like Dr. Dre knows but Dre know oh um, mm-hmm. That's the that's the punchline, because it sounds like Drano. This is a good song now, right? Okay, lyrically impressive to put that all together. I yeah. I I'm not super into Eminem. I was mostly just impressed by how the community reacted to it, where they were like, "Oh my god, he dropped an album quick! Figure out every word he said and how yeah. he said it and why." And yeah. it's just like, okay, all right. Yeah, there's a there's a, there's a, a certain type of person like. Uh, I used to kind of do that with Kid Cudi albums. Like whenever a new Kid Cudi thing would come out, I'd be on Genius doing the annotation stuff. People do that for Eminem. People do that for whatever. You know, there's always those fans. So yeah, it's kind of impressive to me that even though, uh, like you were saying, like rhyming, like Eddie Spaghetti and all that stuff, yeah. still there's like a lot of lore backed into. Oh, it seems like every hip hop song is like yes, and then they reference this other song by saying Spaghetti Eddie over here, right. <laughs> which is reference this other song. <laughs> right, and then it's like yeah, you get the saga of Freddy Spaghetti because you have to like follow all these different songs and different different references to this thing over the time. It's like, oh yeah, this is nonsense unless you know the story, and then it's still nonsense, but there's context. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like oral tradition. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's interesting because like, what happens, like is is rap genius enough? I guess to kind of pass on that kind of interesting tidbit stuff. If you find a reference to some obscure thing outside of people who know that obscure thing, like how are you going to keep that reference? Uh, kind of like you know Gex. The old game series Gex. Yes, I only know that because of Donkey, though. And he'd make cultural references, like the Gecko dude would make cultural references, and a lot of those are just lost today. So it's like, do we as a people need a resource to, to follow things like the cultural references made by Gex or the little weird quirks of why something was referenced in a rap song, you know? I don't know. Yes. I think that it helps me understand hip-hop more and gives me an appreciation for it. Yeah. Because I always thought hip-hop was just, like, a thing that they just had to rhyme other stuff with, and I didn't really get the allure of it. Mm. But now I get, like, the allure of it. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad <laughs> I made you an, an appreciator of the allure, you know? <laughs> I mean, listen, I still every week show up with some monotonous kind of slow pretty boring song and that's <laughs> I don't think that's going to change anytime soon but coming from episode zero to now or whatever the first episode we did a song of the week of to now it's like yeah um, I've learned quite a bit on how to figure out hip hop 
I'm going to find some weirder shit. I already have some stuff in mind, but I'm going to make some weirder shit my song of the week. So by the end of it, you'll be like, you'll be more deep into this stuff than me, you know? Uh, unless you go really off the deep end, I don't know how much weirder you can go. <laughs> oh, brother, I'll find some shit for you. Don't even Listen, Young that. Thug's kind of out there, okay? He's, he sometimes just makes noises and it works, so. Yeah, but I got some shit where they make noises and it doesn't work. Oh, don't, no. don't you worry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Remember, this has to be your song of the week. You have to listen to this song in the week. Yeah, that's, it's true. But I... Just isn't to find some podunk rapper giving out his, his hot mixtapes on the, on the windy streets of Dallas or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, my song of the week is hot Phil and his song. <laughs> Trap house, and I was just gonna be like, okay. Hot Phil's Trap House. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a CD player. I don't know how to listen to the song. I actually got a CD from a dude on the sidewalk like less than two years ago. Like less than three years what? ago. Why? Why? Yeah. Like in Seattle, a man was handing out CDs knowing damn well there's not a CD player in 10 miles. <laughs> Seattle, yeah. All the CD players went the way of the dinosaur, bro. And there are none. No one uses CDs anymore. Yeah, it was super weird. Anyway, yeah, that's that's all I got for this episode. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Uh, same, 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 same. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, our music was done by our friend Tynan. He is at Nitan on Bandcamp. That is Nitan, N-Y-T-A-N. You can find us on homegames.io or at homegames.io. That's our website. We're on Twitter at homegames.io. And we also have an email address for the podcast where you can send questions, comments, concerns, funny anecdotes, literally anything. Podcast at homegames.io. We will read it and maybe read it on the show. Um, That's going to do it. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.